prepare for an artistic journey through time and creativity with the Black Women's Stitch 2024 wall calendar. More than a way to track dates, the calendar is a gallery on your wall celebrating Black women's contributions to sewing, activism, and culture. Each month brings a new original Black art ready to inspire or to become a future frame keepsake. And that's not all. Experience the joy of creativity with three fusible applique patterns by the acclaimed illustrator Janine LaCour, creator of that brilliant Black magic leopard fabric. The calendar is a year-long celebration of community, creativity, and expertise. Order your Black Women's Stitch 2024 wall calendar today and get your stitch together with a year of artistic inspiration. Hello, this is Carmen Green, founder and curator of the Black Sewing Network Experience. Black Sewing Network, also known as BSN, is a network that amplifies and celebrates Black voices in the sewing community 365 days a year. We host daily live sew-alongs, sometimes multiple times a day, primarily in the TikTok space, but also across all social media platforms. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to tune into the Ladies of BSN series on the Stitch Please podcast. Special thanks to Lisa of Black Women Stitch for always being so supportive of BSN and for sharing this amazing platform with our incredible host. You can find our up-to-date sew-along schedule at www.blacksewingnetwork.com and we would love to see you join us at our next sew-along. Thank you again for all your support and enjoy the rest of this episode. Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hey, friends. Hey, it's Lisa here from the Black Women's Stitch Org and the Stitch Please podcast. And as I say every week, this is a very special episode because this episode I am talking with the creative genius and immense talent behind African Zesty Couture. Yes, that is right. Grace Christopher is here with us today. You have seen her on Etsy with her thriving well-rated African Zesty Couture business there. She has her own website and a brick and mortar store in Texas. You've seen her around and she's especially active on TikTok. She has monthly sew-alongs. She will help you get your stitch together, especially when it comes to working with African fabrics. Grace, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. So I appreciate you inviting me. (laughs) Talk a little bit about the beginning. I would love to hear, and I often ask people this, your sewing story. So uh, it's kind of an interesting story. I'm still in shock sometimes, but I didn't begin um, a career in sewing like too far from it. I went to school studying law. I practiced law for over, over five years, did the whole law school thing and everything. But before that time, my mom has always been someone with 
a creative side. Like she always did a whole lot of things. And sewing was one of the things I, I happened to see growing up. She had this old vintage machine. I even did a video about it um, on my TikTok page. The old ones where you have to, you know, that has a, a cord, you have to step on like... The pedal. It's a, tre- a treadle machine. You move, you move your foot up and down like this, right? To get it to go. Uh, she still has that currently. Wow, that's wonderful. So, <laughs> and out of all her children, it was just myself and the elders that were able to figure out how to move that treadle. So I just saw her. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a balancing act, I will tell you that much. So I started sewing when I was about um, 13 or 15, going to school. But I was just watching her and I decided to try a few things. And then I started making my own clothes that I would only wear at home because I wasn't skilled enough to do anything else. So I just went home. But it was just something nice to have. So I kind of took that from her. But when I went into college, began to study law, I had no time for anything else. So I kind of abandoned all of that idea. And then, of course, finished school, got a job, became active and working and everything. However, when I moved to the U.S., I had, a one-year-old son already, and I kind of mm-hmm. put my life on mm-hmm. a hold completely, hold like a screech. Wow. All of a sudden, you know, moving locations and then having a new baby, I needed time to to understand what I wanted to do next with my life. At that point, my entire priority was on my son, and I was all day with him because there was nowhere else to go. And this was a new country. I had not gotten my feet on the ground or anything. So I was looking for something to keep me busy. Yes. Looking for something to keep my mind active, to make me, you know, excited. Because my whole day was just about nothing, cleaning up poop and all of that. I needed something to excite me. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny when you say, I needed something to keep me busy. And I'm like, well, there's nothing that will keep you busier than a one-year-old. <laughs> But when you said you wanted to keep your mind active, if it's just all that you are doing mm-hmm. and you feel like I don't have any other form of stimulation and also that that postpartum after birth, you can definitely start to feel yeah. low. Postpartum depression is real. It is a, a real thing that happens. Right. And, you know, the fact that you could identify and say, hey, you know, I want something more. And that is okay. And of course you do, because you are a whole person who had a full life before you had a baby. You have a lot of transition. You're leaving your country. You're coming to a new country with a new baby and everything is new. And you are probably sleep deprived. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. That was just it. And having the background of seeing my mom so and how it made me happy when I was able to make my own clothes, even though I only wore them at home, I just kind of gravitated to doing that. So we just got um, a domestic brother sewing machine. And it was even easier because this time I didn't have to walk on the treadle, right? <laughs> I was able to just plug it in and it got going. And that was how I started. Of course, I couldn't remember anything I, I used to do when I was 13. So I went to watch videos on YouTube, step by step, how to do this, how to make this. It's so exciting that you were able to grow up with a lot of sewing and then only you and your eldest sibling could figure out how to make the treadle work at all. Because it's not it's not as easy as it looks. 
And it's very physical, you know, like your body is moving, you know, it's definitely moving when you're operating the treadle. But now you come to the U.S., you're like, you know what, I'm going to get a very simple machine. But the fact that it has electricity will make it more complicated than I had before. I love how that's been able to make your sewing maybe a little bit easier. I love how you describe your early sewing projects as, you know, this is house clothes. These are things that I wear at home. My skills are not yet ready for the world. Um, But when they became ready, do you remember some of the first things that you made that you were pretty proud of? So the first thing I made was a shed for my son. Oh, that's sweet. The whole idea was to kind of wear matching clothes with him because it was not just not about trying to sew. It was also combined with me being um, a little homesick. Yes. So I missed my family. I missed what I typically see all the time, African prints everywhere. I missed that experience of being home. And I was like, let me find something to hold on to. Um, maybe if I, if I start a tradition of making my children wear what I used to wear, maybe we can have that. So I actually wanted to make something for him. And he, I made that for him first. And then I made myself, I think, a dress or so a very easy dress we could wear together. And that was the first project. Now, it wasn't perfect, but we we went out and we we rocked it. (laughs) And I'm sure you got compliments. I'm sure all the imperfections that you saw, I do not believe other people saw. Am I right or am I right? You're right. Definitely right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that is so exciting. And how the growth of your son and the growth of your sewing skills seem to kind of come up at the same time. Like they're rising together. You know, that's pretty exciting to see. Now, you offer lots of different fabric types on your website. And that's something that I really appreciate about what your, about what your site does. You offer Ankara and Ankara bundles. You offer scrap pieces and little bags. You offer jelly rolls where there's lots of different, there's so many different varieties of types of fabric you can get. For me, the things that I love about your shop, I love the knit Ankara because I am a knit lover. I love knit fabrics. And I wondered if we could spend some time talking through some of these fabrics and then talk about how you encourage people to use them. This is an image, y'all. If you are a Patreon supporter, thank you very much, Patreon supporters. Patreon support is the lifeblood of this podcast. It helps me to pay the people that help me. And so thank you very much for that. We're looking at knit and Kara here. And this is from your website. There's two rather traditional patterns. I know I have something similar in a woven with the blue and yellow. And then these amazing lions and then these wonderful flowers. Talk about your knit and Kara and what made you choose or decide to start offering this in your shop. So, you know, of course, typically Ankara comes in just the woven one that doesn't stretch. And that's kind of how I learned. I never had any idea of knit fabrics. However, with interacting with members of our sewing community and actually seeing how how beautifully fabrics are stretched can look, I decided to go searching because people had been asking me, do you have the kinds that stretch? And I was saying no, because they, they, are, they actually are very hard to find. So because it's normal, it's not typical. So I did reach out to be like, please find it for me. So they have knit fabrics, 
but they have the design of Ankara on them. So they're not only Ankara fabrics, but the designs, the, the, the colors, the patterns is what makes it different and beautiful. So like you said, the blue and the red are normal, typical designs you would see in the woven one. And also the lion one. That lion one has a special thing, special place in my heart because it's a very special fabric. It does have a woven edition and the original one is actually wool. What? Yeah. It's an Igbo fabric called Isiago, which literally means the head of a lion. Oh. That fabric has... um, a deep history in the evil tradition because it was only allowed for warriors to wear it. So it was like you had to be a warrior, being able to conquer a lion wow. to be able to wear this. So there was a time where even women were not allowed to dress in this. It was like, you are not a warrior. It was for me- exclusively for men and for warriors. But now with things changing, it has not only just transitioned to not being only wool, but the traditional Igbo fabric is wow. wool. But now they also make it in in cotton and now also in knit. So I was so excited to see it in knit. I was like, what? Let's do it. So I, I had to get it. I had to get it. That is amazing. And I think I'm surprised to learn that wool fabric would be something that you would want in Nigeria. So can you talk a little bit about that traditional Igbo fabric and why you think it was made from wool? Uh, I cannot speak to, because I don't want to be wrong, I can't speak to the exact reason why it is wool. The much I can say is that Africa does have some fabrics that are peculiar to different regions. So the African that we all know, the Ankara we all love, it's more like something we all love as Nigerians, as yes. Africans, and all of that. However, regions have different fabrics that speak to them. So my own local community, um, very minority tribe, if I even mention it, somebody, nobody might even know what it is. We have our own special fabric that is more like linen. Oh, All you can do with that fabric is style it, that's what my mother used to do. Style it, we wear it as a wrapper across our waist, go for the event, come back, put it out to air dry, and put it back in the box. You know, <laughs> with the way Ghanaians have a special um, process to make their kente fabric. Yes, that's right. Our fabric is so particular to the Igbo people. So I'm not, I'm not Igbo. I cannot really speak to the far, far yes. history as to why. No, that but that's cool. really helpful what you've explained yeah. that different different regions, different countries have their own different types of fabric. And I'm wondering if one of the examples of that is um, Kampala. This was new yeah. to me. I have seen these prints before. And if you are a Patreon supporter, that's it. Thank you. Here are some gorgeous images. We are looking at images of the fabrics that Grace offers and what we have on the slide right now is a Kampala fabrics that she sells. And these are gorgeous. Like they look like almost like a kaleidoscope type, you know, um, type impression. Can you talk about what Kampala means? Um, Is Kampala a place? Is it a technique? What is Kampala fabrics and why do you carry them in your shop? So I try to be as broad as possible since I'm, I'm doing African fashion, not just Nigerian fashion. So when I stumbled on 
this, I was interested, apart from the fact that they are gorgeous, right? Kampala fabrics are originally designed by Uganda. So Kampala itself is a city in Uganda. Okay. Kampala is a city in Uganda. So they actually named the fabric by the city. That way you can't even run around in circles. You know where it came (laughs) from. So this is their interpretation of tie-dye. And I do have a friend in church that is from Uganda. I had to check with her, like, this is what my vendor is sending me. And they say it's from your country. Is that so? She said, yes, that's our fabric. That she was excited to see it. That's our fabric. Oh, oh, I love that so much. Oh, that she could recognize a little piece of home um, that you were able to share with her. Oh, that's wonderful. So I love that. I really am glad to know. And I think now, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, that's right. I did know Kampala was in Uganda. Oh, my gosh. I did. I think I saw it attached to the word fabric and thought that, no, no, this must mean something else. But no, I like that you said that this is a good way yeah. so that you don't have to go wondering where this beautiful piece of Kampala fabric came from. It probably came from Kampala. I think that's so wonderful. Now, how about this one? This is the silk adire. I know that Adire is also similar to the way you've done the knit and Kara. You've also taken a tra- another traditional fabric that is usually done in cotton, I believe, and made it into a, a silk or a satin. Can you talk a bit about this piece? These are also so unique. Yeah, so this, this one, the silk Adire, is also a localized fabric. So this is known for the Yorubas. Oh, okay, okay. Even growing up, when you saw this fabric, you just attributed it to the Yorubas. This is their own version of tie-dye, and it is done with silk. Oh. They do have some other fabrics they call adire. Oh. They have some adire fabric that is also tie-dye. Just different methods of tie-dye. Some, the ones that um, strings, the other ones they stamp on. Yes. But it's all tie-dye. So they call it silk to just to differentiate the fact that these were tie-dyed with silk fabrics. Oh. So the fabric itself is not silky? It's silky. Oh, it is. Oh, I understand. So there's two types of adire. You can do it with silk or you can do it with cotton. Yes. Oh, look at me. See, look, you are teaching me so much already. And I thought that I had learned this already. So now I'm feeling like I'm getting advanced education. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Black Women's Stitch is happy to celebrate the 200th episode of the Stitch Please podcast with AccuQuilt. It's our birthday, but thanks to AccuQuilt, we're giving gifts. All September, we counted down to 200 episodes in October. Every week, we gave away one AccuQuilt Go Me fabric starter set and culminated with the grand prize giveaway of the Go Big electric fabric cutter starter set. If you are new to AccuQuilt and are thinking about investing in their system, the Ready, Set, Go bundle is your best value. Ready, Set, Go provides everything you needed to get started. An AccuQuilt Go cutter, the 8-inch cube with 8 essential dies to create 72 blocks, a die to easily cut multiple strips, squares, and diamonds. You also get a pattern book. And the best part is, at any time, you can upgrade your Go cutter to the fantastic Go Big, which is what I have where the AccuQuilt magic can happen at the touch of a button. June Taylor, 
a well-known name in the Notions game, is now part of AccuQuilt. Links to AccuQuilt's wonderful products can be found in the show notes. Now, we've gone through all these different types of fabric, the Silk Adire, the Knit Ankara, the Kampala. And now it's almost, as I said before, with the education, what do you encourage people to make with these things? I think it is one thing to sell fabric. It is another thing for you to use your fabric to create fashion that is, according to your interpretation, reflective of the Black diaspora, which, which will not just be Nigerian, but as you mentioned, that you wanted it to be a bit broader to think about all of the, all of the countries on the continent. What's your first step when you are designing a piece? Do you think about a particular region? Do you start with a sketch? Do you start with a fabric? How do you start to build what would become these really beautiful pieces that you've created? So my, my method does differ because I do have some moments like we all do. So sometimes I start out by just loving one fabric. Like I can't, I let this fabric go. I have to use it, yes. right? And then decide I want to use that fabric. Then I look at the patterns and the design and then decide on what I want to do with it. So this duster you see here, I loved the fabric. And then with the way the design is placed, I was like, I have to showcase the lines. So I need to do a duster where they get to express themselves without me doing so much. So sometimes I just want the fabrics to speak for themselves. And that's kind of what I did with that. But also sometimes I have a style in mind and then I have to go look for a fabric that will match with what I'm trying to do. So that's kind of what happened with it, with the other dress. I just wanted to do a solid and Ankara. I wanted a little mixture. So I decided, okay, I'm going to find a beautiful floral print, a bold floral print, and then mix it with something that is solid. And that was how that started. So it just depends on how I'm feeling at the moment. And I think as creatives, we tend to go back and forth based on how we're feeling. And that's part of the beautiful thing about being a creative. We are not in a box. That's right. <laughs> we express ourselves however we're feeling at that time. So I always encourage people, do not see African fabrics as something difficult to work with or exclusive. It, just see it as a regular fabric you will pick up in the store. Whatever you use your typical cotton fabrics for, you can use with Ankara. Absolutely. And it gives you some more volume because sometimes the fabrics can be kind of stiff. So like if you're doing, I keep thinking about Nikki Brooks's No Me Pattern I'm blanking on the number, but it has a very, very elevated, um, exaggerated sleeve. And exaggerated sleeves do very mm -hmm. well in Ankara. They really stand out. And so I want to shift to talking about how, in the same way that you've done such a, one, a, a generous job talking about the, your fabric here and educating us about the different types in different regions, you also spend time building community among your customers, not just your customers, but everybody. By having different sew-alongs, having different challenges, here's a bag of scraps, what can you make? I think that's really encouraging because it shows that you really want to build a relationship between yourself and your clients. 
and you want anyone who is consuming your fabric to feel confident that they can use it for something that would make them happy. Can you talk about your your sew-alongs that I think that you do pretty regularly um, or the different challenges that you invite people to consider when they're consuming your fabric? Okay, so I, I love the challenges and I love doing the sew-alongs because the, the fundamental reason why I do that is I feel like I cannot spread this thing fast enough on my own. Mm. Because one of the goals of my business is, I say it like a little catchphrase, to flood the streets yes. with Afankara. And I cannot sew fast enough to make that happen. So how about we empower everybody yes. to do it? So I want to do this to encourage you to use the fabric, to show you how you can use it even in, um, regular clothes you wear like it doesn't have to be a special you can use it for casual stuff so I, I'm really into casual stuff you just wear and lounge around the house or go to run right. around on Walmart and all of that I don't want to be the only person around in Walmart with Ankara okay I'm trying to get all get us all on page so that's kind of why I do the sew alongs I am usually live steady on Fridays for, um, by 12.30 central time on TikTok that's oh, my good. regular time. I'm good. always live. Apart from that, I show from time to time when I have um, some space. Um, I, I show up live, but for sure, regularly, it's every Friday, 12. Oh, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. For the challenges, we do spice things up, trying to make people think of ways they can incorporate African prints and even mix it with other things. We have had a challenge where we combined Ankara and denim. We have had where we did um, a patchwork kind of stuff, like just use at least four different African prints in wow. one project. That was the challenge. What we have currently going on is to mix solid and Ankara in any singular project. So those challenges are meant to motivate you, to inspire you, to do something you ordinarily not want to do on your own. And that's what I really love about the challenge. And so far, we've seen some amazing things. I am so glad because I, I love how your challenge is really more like an invitation for people to investigate their own creativity, you know? And so I think that is so beautiful. That's really wonderful, Grace. Um, another thing I was thinking of was that, you know, your, as your family has grown, you, you came here with um, a, a baby, essentially, a very young child. And now you've got more than one, I think. And I just recently saw a photo of you and all of them looking utterly adorable. They had all had outfits that you were you had made and you were matching them. What does this mean to you as someone who started sewing when they came to the U.S. in order to have a cultural connection back to Nigeria? And now here you are, you have your family in matching outfits that you've made. Tell me a bit about that. Is that like a 360 moment kind of coming back to where you started a bit as a child? Absolutely. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's still a dream to imagine that I, that I'm able to do that now because that was the vision originally to have something to pass on to my children, to match with them, to make them even love and excited about the fabric. And now they actually look forward to me making something for them. That's the best. And when I send these pictures to my mom, she's so excited to see it. She's like, she never believed she will, I would do what she used to do. She never believed it because she just felt I would always be a lawyer. So it makes her so glad to see even her grandkids 
look the way we now look and create this beautiful culture that we are able to, you know, pass on and they actually love to wear. It's just been a blessing. It sounds like it and it looks like it. That's what I see when I look at your images and see their beautiful smiling faces and your beautiful smiling face. It really is. I can definitely understand why your mother would be very proud. Now, let me ask you, as we head to wrap up um, our final question that we ask everyone, the slogan of the Stitch Please podcast is that we will help you get your stitch together. Grace, proprietor and CEO of African Zesty Couture. What advice would you offer to our listeners to help us get our stitch together? I would say allow yourself to be to be creative, change your perspective if you feel like you are in a rut. Just express yourself. It took a moment even for me to accept um being a small business owner and a fashion designer. It took it took a minute for me to accept that new reality. But I think some of the times we stumble into great things when we don't even plan on them. So even in our journey, do something new, try something different, get inspired. And just like we have only one life to live. So I kind of want to express myself. So typically I am a quiet mm. introvert, but I don't, I don't dress because I want to be something else. So express yourself however way you can and then get the resources that you need to to do that day by day keep trying what you can try do what you can do take it one day at a time you know be kind to yourself i need yes. to say that for myself too and just embrace the journey and learn as you go and i think you'll get your stitch together that way and definitely color your life bro. color your life with this beautiful prince they absolutely <laughs> will. I, they absolutely will. I was looking through the website and I was like, Lisa, you are here to do research, not to shop. But I will be coming back to shop, certainly, because you <laughs> have some new Ned Ankaras that I had that I hadn't seen before. So I will definitely you will be hearing from me at oh, some yeah. point soon. Grace, thank you so much again for being with us. Thank you so much. Tell us how we can find you. Where can we find you on the socials? And if folks wanted to um, so along with you, you said that you're there Fridays at 1230 Central Time. So that's Friday, 1230 Central Time for, for sure. But if you follow me, you'll be able to know when I come on live because I pop in and out and then I just do things at the spur of the moment. And those are actually the best. Products. Yes. Those are the best products. So my website is www.zestycouture.com. www.zestycouture.com. Dot com And on my website, if you go all the way to the, the bottom of the screen, you'll be able to find the other ways you can connect with me. So I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, or you just do a search and put in African Zesty Couture and I should pop up. I hope you do I, pop, I up. Should pop up, right? <laughs> There's a link tree that actually does spell out every way you could connect with me through all of these social media platforms. So I'm looking forward to connecting with with everyone and, um, you know, keep going on this journey together. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much for inviting me. You've been listening to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. 
We appreciate you joining us this week and every week for stories that center Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. We invite you to join the Black Women's Stitch Patreon community with giving levels beginning at $5 a month. Your contributions help us bring the Stitch Please podcast to you every week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together. 